it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Think about quitting. It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off. And interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. Back again. Yes, we are. By the grace of God and the That's powers it. that be. We and we have one of our own with us today. And we do, which is always a particular pleasure. It is. I, I mean, just hearing the, the stories that come out of the guy when we're in, kind of in the fraternity doing mm-hmm. all that, and then once mm-hmm. when he, we, we separate, kind of got our legs back underneath us to see what direction uh, guys run in. No pun intended on this one because this guy's another one of our yeah, ultra runners, right? Yeah, because he is a runner and he's one hell of a runner. He's he one is. of these guys that just goes on forever, kind of like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run my mouth forever. <laughs> no, but seriously, like somebody. Uh, well, of course, with the with our show, Goggins comes to mind right off the top. Uh, yeah, you know, as Gog. far as ultra running and just feats of ridiculous endurance. Every day is something. I mean, and that's not even his profession. You know, on the side, he's a firefighter. You know, just and like my brother and and Josh, man, they ran, ran that those ultras. All all those team guys that run those ultras, man, and just 
It's just hardcore. It takes it to a completely different level. I'm well, still Mojo. What, 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 was that Western States that they? Uh, they did. Uh, he ran the um, Leadville. 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 Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, guys are always getting. You know, I actually trained. Uh, my brother was an ultra runner for a while, and I trained to do one of these. I actually got called up to go do some stuff for work and didn't get to. But let me tell you what the the in my opinion the worst part of it. It's the training for it. Oh. It's the hundreds well, of miles down. you learn <laughs> to train to run the, say, 100 miles. Exactly. And then when you get to the end, that's why you do the run, because you've done all the training. Yeah, and I didn't even get to do that part. <laughs> so. It, man, it can be brutal. It don't, uh, Beating the it's pavement. It's a time-consuming event to train for. Yeah. Trying to kick the mess out of the pavement. But no, anyways, no. our guest, which you're going to absolutely love, is uh, is Chad Wright. And we'll get into him uh, in a minute, but let's do a little housekeeping first, huh? You got it. All right, you guys, this is how you listen to us. You can stream us directly from our website at tnqpodcast.com or virtually any other podcast app on your iPhone or your Android. We got iTunes, Stitcher, Podacy, CastBox, and Radio Public. All right, and if you're into social media, if you go in for that sort of thing, follow Team Never Quit. Start out there. Any major social media platform, you're going to find us. Uh, on Instagram, though, you can go, uh, you can follow the show here, TNQ Podcast. You can follow Marcus at Marcus Luttrell. You can follow me at the underscore wizard underscore TNQ. Or you can just type in TNQPodcast.com and listen to us directly. We have everyone from David Goggins to Mike Rowe, Missy Franklin, Dakota Meyer, Mark Wahlberg, and Sir Robert Young Pelton, just to name a few. We also have merchandise, t-shirts, and hats are in. And one of our favorite thing, things that we have on the website uh, for us and the listeners are the uh, listener write-in stories. It's, it's really the best way that we can show our audience to our audience when they write in those personal never-quit stories, and they, they inspire so many. So you can find those or submit your own under the menu tab at Share Your Story. And it's such a, yeah, I mean, that's, man, it's such a great demonstration of the community right there. And we have hundreds of stories, people writing in every day. It's actually quite a lot of work to keep up with, honestly. <laughs> it's um, great rewarding and anybody that's familiar with the show knows that we always try to put a reader story at the end of it um so without further ado let's talk about chad Wright real quick super interesting guy he's a good he's a, a good old boy from northern georgia he first got into running actually the story is that his mother was a triathlete and uh apparently chad wanted a backpack or something like this and his mother made him a deal that well if you if you keep up with me on a run then i'll get you this backpack and uh, that's where he said it all started for him. He, um, many years later, uh, in 2006, he first joins the U.S. Navy, and there's a whole story behind uh, that. He They end up discovering a pericardial cyst um, on his heart, and that DQ'd him. It's not a uh, waverable, that is not a waverable thing, and uh, DQ'd him from SEAL training. However, he comes back and he gets through it, and there's there's a lot more to say about that, but I'm sure he'll get into it. He has a hell of a career um, on the East Coast, and in 2019, he is medically retired. He, he gets into running. He's done, at this point, like you know, we said, he's an ultra runner. He's done some incredible events thus far. He's done the, the Cruel Jewel. He's done a whole bunch of other um, uh, ultras here in the United States. He's done the Revenant, which is... Just the name of the races lets you know that it's hard, right? I mean, they name like that on purpose. The Revenant. And I had to look this one up. Um, it was actually part of an article that was written about it. The Revenant takes place in New Zealand. It is uh, the answer f- to the Barkley Marathons, which I didn't 
know the history of them, but they take place in Tennessee out in the, uh, the mountains over there. It, the Barkley marathons, by the way, took 10 years for anybody even to complete. Wow. Okay. They started in 1986. Well, the Revenant is similar to that. It, um, to this day has no one who has completed it. <laughs> it is uh 200 kilometers over four laps on Blackmore station. This is out there in New Zealand. Like I said, South of Lake Wanapamaki. No, it's not. A, I, it's a word I can't it's pronounce. It starts with a W. It's not good though. <clears throat> but it's got uh, over 16,000 meters in total of uh, elevation gain. 14 checkpoints. There's um, on each lap to complete the course. 60 hours to finish. Absolutely unassisted. No GPS support crews. Not even a watch. Just a map and compass. They, they don't even use trails. Oh. It's just... Go? Yeah, you're going over open ground, which anybody who gets out there knows that's rough i've been there exponentially yeah, more it's difficult t- it's tough <laughs> no i i learned the appreciation for that in kodiak alaska mm. and oh that was a hell of an experience okay <laughs> anyways he goes out and does the resident the revenant and uh spoiler alert he failed but uh he's come back way stronger and he's going to explain some of that too i'm sure even to the point where he has designed uh his own race it's called Biggs, Biggs. It's called Bob's Big Timber Backyard Ultra. Say that ten times fast, Marcus. Right. Go, <laughs> man! I can't even say it, much less run it. <laughs> Obviously, neither did I. And I'm reading it. Bob's Big Timber Backyard Ultra it is a last man standing ultra in which they run um, every hour. You have to do it's like four point one, four point two miles, yep. and this goes on for twenty four hours. But most likely, it's going to go on be beyond 24 hours. It will go until the last man standing, which yeah. means um, it could go on endlessly as long as you're capable of running 4.1 <clears throat> miles. And what's really interesting about this is every one of these hours is named for, um, obviously, Chad being a Navy SEAL. Yeah, one of our fallen. There's a, there's a lot of focus on our particular fallen, but it's not exclusively limited to that. But uh, that brings out a whole new meaning to um, the purpose behind what they're doing, which is super exciting. Um, I'm ready to talk. I'm just ready to hear him talk. Let's do it, man. Let's get him on. Yep, absolutely. Let's do it, bud. So, here he is. We've got him on the line, y'all. Chad Wright. He makes me tired just thinking about what he does. That's another one of those guys. Chad, Chad, right. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. What's up, buddy? Not much, fellas. It's an honor to be on with you guys. Um, can't thank you enough for having me as a guest. Fantastic. Where are you calling us from? I'm out in Suffolk, Virginia, man. Oh, you still so, live back um, at, uh, on the East Coast. All right. Yeah, just <clears throat> just outside of Virginia Beach. So, um, beautiful day today. A little windy, but sunshine. Oh, it is beautiful here, too. Weather is yeah, it's one of those perfect weather days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gra- grass is growing, man. Went out and bought a new lawnmower today. So, uh, what'd you I'm get? Let's hear that. I, I I went with the Skag. Why? I don't know, man. I, it, well, they've got a fifteen percent military discount. Oh, that's it's a primary. All, okay, check. <laughs> it's all about maintaining. Luckily, I had a Skag dealer right down the road from the house. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got blessed with that. And I think it's good equipment, all American made. So. There Don't you, give it a shot, man. That's my. That's all I. I'm out, that's what they call. I'm the groundskeeper around here, bro. All I do is get on that. <laughs> my wife says I'm out in the pasture with the bull because I'm on that Toro mower, just doing laps, nonstop, clearing my head. Hey, it's man, awesome. It's, it's, it's therapeutic, it man. Is. And that's, 
that's that's me dude I, I i started a little lawn care business just for fun i've got 10 acres out here in suffolk but i started this little lawn care business just for fun and it's all and, and it's almost like uh, i've just came full circle man and, and getting back to my roots and it's just real therapeutic for me and it's hilarious because i've averaged 500 i've made 500 dollars a day for the last two weeks and <laughs> i'm just awesome. like I, i'm just it's it's funny to me you know what i mean because it's just it's I, I'm enjoying it. So I do. I do. I, I swear. That's how I've had my, my way through college and or and through most of it. Before I came into the Navy and uh, had a lawn business, man. I just love being out there. And I love seeing the end product. Nothing better after you cut the grass and it rains, and then it, after yeah. the sun comes back up on top of that, the way that smells and everything comes to life. There's just something about living out on a, enough property to have that experience. Something. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What? Why are you looking at me like? I got the weird face. Look at all face. These fucking guys geeking out about mowing the grass. <laughs> Tell you, man, just get out there on one of those mowers and go after it. You'll oh, see. Oh, that's a whole new podcast. You guys just hook up and do a podcast about mowing. It's like a race car and or a tank thing, man. Just mm. just tearing the hell out of everything you run over, and at the end of it, there's just a pattern. Chad and Marcus <laughs> on the turf. <laughs> there's a future in that right there. Yeah. Oh, we already have one. We're already together, <laughs> wizard. <laughs> All right, brother. Here's what we're going to do before we start into this. And thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, you know, we like to hear people and their, their amazing stories and kind of tie all that together. And before we do that, though, we start out with a mad minute. It's kind of like getting your brain all loosened up before we get into the deep stuff. So we're going to fire some questions at you. There's nothing. It's us on the phone. Roger that. Let's do it, Marcus. All right, man. If not when the zombie apocalypse hits. What are your three most indispensable pieces of kit? Ah, uh, three most indispensable. Mm, I'm gonna say, um, I'm gonna say definitely my uh, 1994 Toyota pickup truck. The last of anything, um, Toyota quality. <laughs> last of anything, yep. I got yep. two of myself. I'm gonna have to say uh, my old Ruger 1022 rifle and a pocket full of bullets. Getting reliability and then, um. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably have to. Uh, I'd probably take a few of my hound dogs with me too, man. A few of my coon hounds because they got the dog box in the back of the truck. So <laughs> I'd have to bring a few of them along with me too, man. Uh, what are you going to do with the dogs, and how are they going to help you? Uh, well, they're pretty tough, man. And uh, you know, for one, for one, they can provide food. You know, coon's good eating, man. Coon and possum's good eating. Hmm. Um. So, you know, when the grocery stores are all wrecked, we're going to be able to eat. And then we might be able to work them, you know, work them to, uh, to run the zombies down and, and, you know, protect us in that way, too. So, hey, I just love having a great dog, dog around, especially hmm. if, you're, if you're the only one left. You, and you, That's the dog's it, man. best friend, man. I've been running around with him forever. <laughs> I can't leave my dogs behind, man. No. I mean, it's just a shame to me. <laughs> well, it sounds like you got. Uh... A foolproof plan there that could never fail. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Marcus, hit him with another one. All right, brother. Favorite movie character you like to play out in real life? I'm going to say Jeremiah Johnson, Marcus. That's a good one. I hadn't seen that in a while. And why? Man, just, um, I don't know, just the, the, the story of Jeremiah when he, you know, he's out there on his own, doing his own thing. Back in the day when there was big country left and there was still land left to explore, 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's always really appealed to me, you know, because now every, you know, they, everything's pretty much been seen, and everything's there's not there's not much left to really explore here on on this earth other than the ocean. But well, this is going to uh, come as a major surprise to all our listeners. But Chad actually comes from Northern Georgia, isn't that right? That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> <I have been. laughs> that's something to do with born and raised in Northwest Georgia, uh, man, and. Uh, fascination with this, Jeremiah this, Johnson. This accent, this accent stuck with me all my life, man, and I can't seem to shake it, so we're, we're going to roll with it, <laughs> well, brother. no need to shake it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if you could call yourself who is 15 years in the future, what would you ask yourself? Anything. Mm-hmm. 15 years in the future. Uh, first thing comes to my to my head, I would ask myself how my wife was doing. Uh, hmm. she's a person I've probably, I mean, I love her the most more than anyone else in the world. So it's the first thing that comes to my head. How long have been together? a wise man right there. Uh, Brooke and I have been together for about six and a half years now, I guess. So yeah, I got me one of them too. Like best thing ever. Like the best I'll gift ever, what, man. It's the coolest thing. Once, once you add that one into the mix, everything just is easy day. Amen to that, bro. It's not yep. another hard yep. day when you got one on your side. <laughs> yes, sir. Is she into uh, running as well? Brooke, she does a little bit of running. She actually did her first 50K, which is about 31 miles. Um, this did past, you hear that relative uh, statement right there? He's like, oh, she does a little bit of running. Yeah. 50K here and there. I think it's like to the mailbox or something. Right. <laughs> I was waiting for like a joke. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was in March, and that was a mountain race, and uh, she actually did really well. So, um, uh, yeah, she she she's not quite as you know into it as I am, but she enjoys it, man. All right, best piece of advice you give off the top of your head, <sighs> man. That's a big ask, right there. That's tough, Marcus. Um, it, off the top of my head, man, what immediately comes to mind is uh. Is that Bible verse that whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and uh, hmm. and, and to me that that was my that was my way to freedom, man. Was uh was you know Jesus Christ and you know just those hmm. words right there. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and I think there's so many people in the world that I know that are searching for that freedom, man, from whatever it may be. Um, and 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 he's and he's the one thing that can that can truly set you free, you know. Oh, man. So, Amen to that, brother. Aaron, Aaron, you're not even rolling until you're rolling with him. <laughs> that's it, man. Yep, yep. And that just yeah, that's just the first thing that popped into my head when you asked me that, man. Well, Marcus had to get all serious. No, I, don't care. I, mean, I, mean, I thought I was going to say something like, I'm going to have to ask Normally you one of the, Hey, look, <laughs> there's no way in hell you got an If you're rolling with that tongue and you don't have one of them hitched up in there ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. That's All right. Awesome. Hypothetically, if you had to cross Afghanistan and you have three options for transportation and accompaniment, which will you choose? To rollerblade with Chuck Norris, to take a smart car with Kim Kardashian, or an armored personnel carrier. However, it will be filled with three people infected by Ebola. Hmm. What to say? I'm on rollerblade with Chuck Norris, man. Huh? I mean, we both we both got the red beard going on. I uh, feel like we could we could have a good time, man. Hmm. 
Plus, it's Chuck Norris. He just puts the rollerblades on, and the earth goes under him. So <laughs> that's just, right, brother. <laughs> I think that's how that would go. He's gonna be well armed too, didn't he? I think he. I saw he just got. Uh, he's now the spokesman for Glock. Oh, is he? You oh, see that? Uh, no, Chuck is. I think that's true. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, Arlie, that's probably the best choice. I think away. I'm with you on that. Without a mop level five to keep that Ebola back. No doubt about that, right. man. All right, what's your favorite dive bar? Favorite dive bar. Shoot, we're just gonna go with the Brass Bell here in Virginia Beach, man. Mm. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's an old standby. <laughs> I'm an East Coast guy myself. Gotcha. Yeah. We we had our uh, we had our hunt club meeting there the other night. Had a good time, man. It's a pretty cool environment. It's changed a little bit in the last few years, but it's still good to go. Yeah, I haven't been in there for quite a few years, but all right. If you were going to be hogtied, locked in a closet for 30 minutes with one of the following, which would you choose? Five water moccasins or a chimpanzee with a hand grenade and a hyperactive sense of curiosity? <laughs> um, I have to go with five water moccasins, moccasins man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm pretty used to being around the water moccasins. You know how the uh, the swamps and stuff are out here in uh, in Tidewater, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel right at home with them. See them all the time. Man, we we got East those here too, man. Water, you know, it's part of the mamba family. You. I didn't know that until I went to Africa to hunt, and it's just the it's the water mamba. It's the black mamba version. All them nasty something they got over there. Somehow, no somewhere that sucker got over here. You know how aggressive they are. I mean, even if you oh, shoot yeah. at them, they'll. they'll What's up, man? <laughs> I've been chased off the pond. Yeah, I've been come chased and get off you. the pond by them suckers, dude. And uh, yeah, they're tough, they're man. Tough. We call call them cotton mouths. Yeah, cotton mouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. cotton mouth. Yeah, that's what we call them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was the uh, mad minute. Or unless you got one more. For no, me. no, that's good. Right. That was a mad minute, and thank you for participating. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, and probably the most educational and informative portion of this entire interview. God, I hope not, but that might be the truth. <laughs> Um, as entertaining as that is, um, our mission here really is front and center in our name, Team Never Quit Podcast, and that mentality. So the listeners come, I think they come for personal reasons to either be inspired, to learn a lesson, to basically just get the after action report on somebody who's gone through a story of great perseverance and endurance. They've suffered through something and came out the other side, and um, they hope to take away something from that and use it in their own lives. So without any further ado, if you could share with us your greatest never quit story or string of stories, uh, you have the floor. Roger that, man. It'd be my pleasure. So, you know, I guess I'll start it out with, um, the weird, the weird thing about, um, I guess about the way life works is it seems like every time I've ever been on the, on the cusp or on the verge of, of a big transition or, you know, moving forward to something better. It's always preceded by adversity, you know, or, or, you know, I call Mm -hmm. it the furnace of adversity or the fire, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so you'll notice as I go, kind of go through this is, is each, each one of these circumstances in my life, um, you know, I'm right on the verge of, of breaking through, breaking new ground into something new and, and better than, than I, making myself better than I was before. But I had to go through that fire first. I really just, it, it, that fire just purifies 
you know, your intentions and your will and um, your why. Mm. And I feel like you come out the other end and you can't be fake when you've been through that fire. And, and when you when you finally reach that position or that goal that you were trying, that you were striving for, uh, you're not fake when you get there. So, mm. you know, I've learned to really appreciate it and I've learned the value of it. Um, and and kind of just to in, embrace it and expect it uh, when I see something on the horizon that I want to strive for, you know. And I guess the first time that I can really remember experiencing a never quit moment as an adult mm-hmm. was um, when I decided I wanted to join the Navy. First of all, when I when I decided to, I wanted to be a SEAL. I grew up in a little small town in North Georgia. Why the man, hell did you want to do something like that? <laughs> man, man, I was a damn yeah, no, 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 we, we all say that at least one time. You know, you, the, the team guys, the team guys here. I'm like, I've rattled that. I'm like, what? What were we thinking? <laughs> yeah, I've been asked a lot. I've been asked that question a lot of times. Is you know, why would you want to do that? Or, or you know, what what made you what made you decide? You know, coming from that small town and you know, just being just just your just your normal old country boy, you know, out in the woods and 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 doing your thing, made you decide you wanted to be a seal. And I and I, the best way I can answer that is is it goes back to my mother because she she's dedicated her entire life to serving others, and um, she always mm-hmm. encouraged us to be outside. And uh, you know, she was a big time triathlete, so she had a lot of influence on me when it when it came to that. Um, but anyhow, when I decided I wanted Mm -hmm. to be a SEAL, um, first of all, most people laughed at me, you know, because I, you know, it's just, I was, I never played sports. I never, never did anything really special. Mm -hmm. I I had never swam in a swimming pool before. The first time I had ever swam in a swimming pool was when I went to take my PST and, you know, and, and you know, a lot of people just just kind of laughed it off and uh, and thought it was a joke. And you know, kind of what I learned there was, um, you know, when you when you have when you when you set a goal for yourself and and uh, you know you're just getting started out, you you got to be careful who you talk to about it. Um, you get you you want to you want to mm-hmm. kind of be careful who you tell about it. You only want to tell people that are going to provide that encouragement that you need. You know, um, so. I went to Navy boot camp and I graduated Navy boot camp. I was getting ready to go to Bud's and I was diagnosed by the dive medical officer with a condition called a pericardial cyst. And Marcus, I know you mm. know what the pericardial yep. sac is around the heart. I've heard yep. you speak about it before. And this is a rare condition. Um, not very, they, there are not very many cases of it. And the funny thing about mm. it is, is it's asymptomatic, at least in my case. It was about a seven-centimeter cyst on my heart. But I would have never known it was there if it wouldn't have been for the dive physical. So the Navy basically comes back to me and says, look, man, you've got this uh, cyst on your heart. Sorry, you you know, you can't be a SEAL. You can't go to BUDS. We're going to send you to the fleet, basically. And so what what that Mm -hmm. did is... You know, basically, I had I had my dreams, everything that I had 
planned on and everything that I had aspired to be, it was all stripped from me in that, in that one moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was nothing that I could do to change it. And when I left home in Georgia, you know, I gave my truck away to my brother and, you know, I left everything, man. I didn't have anything back home. Um, but I knew I didn't want to go to fleet because I had made my mind up. I wanted to go to Bud's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what, that's, that's what my, that's where I'd set my goal. So uh, the Navy put me in a temporary processing unit. It was basically like being in prison for about two months. Um, <laughs> Ooh, and the whole time I'm in there, tough. that's the whole reason we want to go to the ship or anything like that, man. I, I, I want to go this way. I don't want to do, I don't want to do that over there, man. You get stuck in those. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. I just remembered that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was, it was tough, man. So, you know, I was in there freaking, not only do they say, Hey man, you, 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 know, we're taking your dream away. Um, you can't be a seal. Um, but you know, and you, and, oh, and you have a cyst on your heart, but we're going to sit you in here and let you wash windows for the next two months and uh so that's what i did for two months and my and uh you know that entire time i i got really angry i got real angry Hmm. and uh i really started to really harden my heart man um angry like angry at the navy angry angry at yourself angry at what one, I was angry at. I was angry at the Navy for basically locking me in this prison, as is how I viewed it. Um, um, I was angry, uh, you know, just at the at the circumstance, and I and I wasn't a, I wasn't a Christian at that point, so I wasn't angry at God. It was just the circumstance of, you know, hey, I, I, why, you know, why why is this happening to me? And and you know, all my classmates, they're off to to, you know, go give it a shot. And here I am, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, basically felt like a loser. Um, and so, uh, this whole time, my, my mother actually contacted our Congressman and, uh, and coordinated some, some efforts to get me basically an administrative discharge. So I didn't have to go out to the fleet. So, I get this administrative discharge and I get back home uh, to Georgia and um, I was still really angry. I didn't have anything. I show back up in my same hometown that I had left, you know, six months ago and everybody that's, you know, all all my old Mm. friends and and so-called friends and everybody sees me and they're like, Hey man, you know, they all think that I'm a failure and I'm sitting here, you know, trying to explain to them like, oh, no, I actually have this this thing wrong with my heart. Mm-hmm. And of course, they just think that I'm, I'm making up a story. You know what I mean? Right. So but right. I'll tell you what's funny, man, is I never completely let go of that of that dream to be a seal. Like, even though it was taken from me and even though that, you know, even though everyone told me that it would never be a possibility for some reason. I never let it go, man. And and when I got back home, uh, it was in 2007, kind of right in the middle of that um, that depression and you know that the economic collapse. And my father was yeah. in the construction industry, and I came back mm-hmm. home, man. And my family, we they didn't have anything, man. We didn't have health insurance. Um, 
we didn't know how I could go to a doctor to see about having this thing removed. Um, and you know, there, there was just, it was basically like, well, how do we, what do we do? You know, how do we move forward? And the weird thing is, is none of that mattered to me. The day I got back home, I started training again that, that very day, Hmm. um, to go back into the Navy and continue to pursue my dreams. And I don't know where that came from, man, because I wasn't reading any self-help books or I didn't really have any mentors or mm-hmm. anything like that. It was almost, I, I just can't explain it. But, but from day one, I said, okay, no matter what's in front of me, I'm going to start training today to go back and pursue my dreams. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. And, um, we, we, we finally, uh, were able to, with, with, with help, um, of some friends and family, we were able to get some health insurance for me. And I was able to go and start seeing some doctors. And I went to about three different heart surgeons and every surgeon I went to, they would say, Hey man, this is an asymptomatic condition. Why do you want to risk a complicated heart surgery for something that's not causing you mm. any issues? And they they couldn't understand it, and and they wouldn't touch it. Um, they they wouldn't take this cyst off my heart. Mm. Well, finally, I found a surgeon there in Atlanta. His name's Doctor Cooper. He won't mind me using his name, and and he understood the reason that I wanted to to have this surgery done because I wanted my dreams back, you know. Hmm. So I, I, I finally lined this lined this surgery up with Dr. Cooper. I only re- remember ever having one real moment of weakness through this whole time period, and it was when I was on the way to the hospital the morning of the surgery. It was like 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a moment where I was just like, man, this is like this could potentially be life ending or life changing when I go lay on this operating table. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked my dad, my dad was driving the car. I said, Dad, you know, uh, should should I really go through with this? And he just looked at me and he said, son, if you want to be a SEAL, he said, you have no choice. And it mm-hmm. was like that that little piece of encouragement was just like, you know, I just looked at him and I was basically like, Roger that, let's do it, man. And so I get to the operating mm. room and it's awesome. Dr. Cooper comes in the operating room that morning, five o'clock. He's got his running clothes on. He's just coming off a run, you know? And I'm <laughs> like, all right, this is the dude I want freaking operating on me. This freaking motivated guy, you know? Right. Um, and he takes, he takes this cyst off my heart and one thing that's cool is Dr. Cooper did his part of the surgery for completely free, no cost. He didn't tell us any of that up front. We just never received a bill for it. No um, kidding. Yeah, I mean, that's just how amazing is that, man? That's it's like that's amazing. So Dr. Cooper removes the cyst from my heart, and um, the surgery was successful. And I remember the first thing I said when I woke up from surgery, my grandmother was standing beside me. And I looked over and I grabbed her hand and I said, I got my dreams back. 
And man, it was like from that point forward, <laughs> like nothing was going to stop me. Like it's that it's that fire. Like I said, uh-huh. and, you know, it, I'll be totally honest with you, man. If I would have went to Bud's the first time without going through that that, that fire, I don't know if I would have made it through. I don't I don't know I don't know what would have happened. You know, but but after going through that that hard time, it was like it's on now, man. You know, I had it, it had really purified my intentions of why I wanted to go do this. And it really showed me how much I wanted this thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I start training uh, you know, a couple weeks after surgery. Um and uh and going to you know going go go back into the navy uh less than a year after surgery and um was actually went and saw the same dive medical officer that disqualified me <clears throat> less than a year before and I'll never forget the look on his face when I walked into his Did office. Did he remember you? He remembered exactly who I was and you know huh. all this all this stuff about this pericardial cyst is such a rare condition and they've never seen it before in a seal candidate this is all published online. It's all public information. You can go and, and, and read about it yourself. Huh. Um, so, yeah, he re- he totally remembered me, and he just, like, his jaw dropped when I walked back in the office, like, what are you doing back here, man? <laughs> <laughs> so, That's what I was going to ask you, though, is I was wondering what you'd say when you got done with that story. Do you think that you would have made it through without going through back back through this trial, back through that furnace? The honest answer is no. The honest answer is no. I do not think that I would have made it through training. Um, and, and that's just me being totally honest, man. So, you know, at the end of the day, it was, uh, you know, all that, that whole situation was a blessing at the end of the day, even though I couldn't see it in the moment. I uh, could, couldn't see how, how that was going to turn out to be a blessing. But, um, you know, moving forward from there, uh, obviously I went through training, no issues, uh, you know, just r- rolled right through because I had, because I had been, I had been through that adversity prior to, mm-hmm. so I rolled right through training, man. But, you know, and, and then moving on from there, uh, I, I go and get back from my, from my second deployment and I kind of start, uh, I, I get saved on my second deployment actually. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that was an amazing, amazing experience for me. Um, and I come home. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm recently, recently saved and, um, you know, I'm, I'm launching into this new way of life, you know, and it's just so, it's so awesome. It feels so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I finally have this new direction in life and, uh, and a relationship with God. And I get back to the house and my wife is in active addiction. Um, and she's literally, she's, and now I have, I've got my wife's permission to tell this story. This is her story, but uh, I'll tell my side of it with her permission. Right bef- before um, you launch into that, though, can you just give us a little background on why you went through, you know, discovering Christ and, and be- becoming saved, like you said, becoming more religious? What was the, what drew you t- to that? Was there a need that you felt or I don't really know if you would call it a need. It was more or less a series of experiences that I had. Um, and, uh, you know, looking back on it, um, you know, uh, it, 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 uh, you know, what, what really initiated it was, um, 
I was staying and I was I was overseas and and I was staying with a, a couple of friends of mine in 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 our whatever you want to call it our barracks or mm-hmm. or whatever where we were living and um one of my buddies uh one of my buddies a fe- fellow brother team guy um he decided that he would start up a little bible study a weekly deal and you know I didn't well, I was I was pretty bored at the time, and I thought, well, I'm gonna go sit and listen to this dude talk, you know, and uh, start going and, hmm. and attending this Bible study. And um, it sounds absolutely crazy, man, but uh, when he started doing that, something, something, some weird stuff started happening in the the place we were staying, like some some freaky stuff. Um, there was there was some kind of presence there. There was some kind of uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I call it evil, but um, it was really it, it, it. And and what's funny is it's like his little Bible study really initiated it and brought it brought that evil out into the open, and uh, it got so freaky, man, that um, that it came to the point it was me and three other dudes staying in this building. And we were all sleeping in the same room together after about a week and a half. Wait, a minute, you're um, talking about like paranormal activity? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, man. Like uh, doors slamming like really, and footsteps in the night and Ezekiel like, and Jeremiah. <laughs> really oppressive type, um, like like evil presence, man. And you like can, when you walk it, specifically, like what? When you walked into this place, well, well, first it was, how it started was. Uh, I was I was actually laying in laying in my in my rack one night and freaking something hits the dang door uh, of my room and it wakes me up. It jolts me awake. And then I I could hear something. It was almost like singing or something up and down the hallways of the building we were in. And I get up and I look. Nobody's there and check my buddy's room. Nobody. You know, everybody's passed out. And, um, and, and that was, that was the initial thing that I remember. And then the other guys that were with me started experiencing, uh, similar things to that, um, in their, you know, in their own rooms and, and, you know, the, the time they were spending there and, um, yeah. And it got to the point where it was like, there was just such a, it was just like an oppressive, like evil thing that was like bearing down on all of us our moods um you know uh, our thoughts everything it was it was it's so hard to explain because it sounds like a freaking ghost story but it was so real in the moment sounds like um and And this thing was irritated you're saying by having the you know this bible study yeah that's that's the only way that i can explain it wizard um and and you got you know you know it's you know there's something to it when you got freaking four grown men, <laughs> uh, Navy SEALs yeah. sleeping in the freaking same room together at the end of a week and a half. And uh, finally, man, I got sick of it, and um, I reached out to my brother, and my brother is is a Christian, and I uh, said, "Look, man, this is what ha- this is what's going on, and I don't know what to do, but we can't freaking sleep at night." And he says, well, let me put you in touch with my pastor. He puts me in touch with his pastor, and I put his pastor on speaker. And I and I walk up, I walk all around this building and up and down the halls and in every room, and his pastor prays over this building. And, um, and I had never really prayed before, so I didn't know how to do it. And um, 
immediately after that, it all stopped. And like, there was, there was peace that peace returned to that place and we could, we could rest easy. And that's, that's what made me realize, wow, there's, there must be something to this. There's um, a power there, huh? There's a power there. That's right. And, and so I started, uh, you know, I started taking it a little more seriously, you know, and I started digging into God's word and, and, uh, and learning and learning how to pray myself. And, um, you know, throughout that was that pretty much the beginning of the deployment. And then throughout the rest of that deployment, God kept revealing himself to me and, 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 in so many different situations and circumstances, um, over and over again. And, and they, they all compounded on themselves and strengthened mm-hmm. my belief and my faith in God. Um, so by the end of that deployment, it was like, man, I was rock solid, dude. Like I was, I, I was all, I was all in dude. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I get back home and, and like my wife is literally like she, she, she should have been dead. Like she, she had, she was, she was walking that, she was walking that thin line, you know, on, on the edge, uh, with active addiction. And did this exist so, before you left this addiction or substance abuse or I'll tell, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, and yeah, substance abuse. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, wizard, I think that it probably did, but you know how it is, man, when you're, when you're running and gunning, you're in a platoon, um, yeah. you're gone 300 days out of the year, man. And, you know, I would come home on the weekend and if I noticed a little something off, uh, I wouldn't mention it because I would be, I was leaving in a day, you know? So how am I going to, how am I going to confront her about anything and then just yeah. have to leave it hanging while I'm gone mm. for another two months? You know what I mean? You just want to try to make the most of that moment while you're there and try to leave it on the best terms as possible. Yeah, I, I get that. Sure. That's right. That's right, man. So, but yeah, when I finally got home, it had gotten to the point where it could no longer, it could no longer be ignored. It was, it was all out in the open. It was literally a life and death struggle um, for her at that point. Um, and, you know, mm. there's a lot of, you want to talk about never quit. You watch somebody go from active addiction to, to clean. You watch them through that journey. Man, that is a never quit journey right there. It, it was unbelievable to see her go go through that. Um, it was tough, but at the end state was unbelievable. And there's there's a, a huge mm. argument out there now. You know, is is addiction a choice or is it a disease? Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I'm gonna tell you, I've 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 walked through it with the 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 person I love the most, and mm-hmm. it may in some cases start out as a choice it might in some cases it doesn't in some cases it's a 14 year old girl that goes and has her wisdom teeth pulled and you know she takes this pill and then it 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 gets control of her you know what i mean but Mm. but it eventually becomes a legit it eventually becomes a disease something that's completely out of their control um and we I didn't know what to do. There was nothing that I could do to to change her or or to make her want to quit and live. Um there was nothing I could do or say. I was completely helpless. Jesus, I can't imagine coming back after deployment 
to that, particularly where you're on this high of this whole new phase of life that you've stepped into and probably excited about that. And you come back to, you just plunged right into it. You're back in that furnace again. That's it. That's it, man. Right back, right back into that furnace, man. Right there on the verge of that, of that awesome new life of that rebirth. But guess what? God's going to take me through the fire again. And this time he's bringing my wife with me, you know, um, that's how you make it a so, team. You know, we're in the SEAL teams are forged in fire. Let's do it with our spouses too. You know what I mean? Yep. That's why they're our spouses. Because <laughs> I mean, if they're going to roll with this kind of fire, I mean, they'd they be, be able to handle it. And that, that goes both ways. So we all have a sin tucked inside of us, man. If you just so happen to marry up to uh, the office of you that carries that same sin, especially if you like to abuse it. Woo! Stand by, man. That's one hell of a rodeo. <laughs> the trick is catching one that has the opposite of you, so they balance each other out. I mean, and and even you know, in the buddy, always swim buddies. We're all we're trained like that. We always have to have that one that we gravitate towards. So when we get in trouble, misery loves company. <laughs> yeah, right. Or gasoline on the fire. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Where okay, take us take us on the road to the bottom, back to you know recovery and and whatever you know comes after that. Yeah, yeah. So I, like I said, wizard, I didn't know what to do, man. Like I had never experienced this before. I never knew anybody that was in active addiction. We didn't even know where to. First of all, she she had to make the decision, you know, for herself. But um, all I knew how to do at that point was to pray, dude, and um. And that's all I knew. That's all that, that I, that I could do. And I, this goes on for probably, I don't know, two months, uh, after, after I had been back home and one night, uh, she comes to me, we're actually out on chicks beach out on the beach. And I think it was actually her birthday. And, uh, just out of the blue, she comes to me and says, Hey, I want to be clean. And um, I knew in that moment that that God had healed her or was going to heal her. And hmm. she made but, she, you know, she 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 listened to God and she listened to that calling and she made that decision uh, for herself. And, yeah, we, we walked hand in hand through that whole process, man. And it's a it's a confusing process. And it's uh, it, it was it was hard for me and hard for her, too. So did you have any support outside of your of just you and obviously your wife's going through this? You you were just trying to weather this whole storm yourselves. I I tell you what, wizard, everybody around me that I spoke to, including every member of my family, told me to quit. Every single one of them said, "Why in the hell are you staying with her?" Really? Um, you know, what what are you do what are you doing? Um, and it was that bad. I mean, it, it was, it was bad. Well, it must um, have been. um, all, all but one person, there was one person who spoke truth into my life. And, uh, and I think that's the reason that I made it through this fire and, and that my wife and I are still together to, to today. And that was my little brother. I remember calling mm -hmm. my little brother one day and I said, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I said, man, this is, this is awful, man. Um, not only, not only the, the, uh, the, 
you know, going through this, but watching her go through it, um, it was awful, brother. And my brother said, look, Chad, he said, she's your wife. She said, you don't have any choice whether you want to go through this or not. Hmm. You don't have a choice in the matter. And that was the truth. That was the truth that I needed to hear. So that one statement that he told me on that one day stayed with me and it really propelled me through this whole situation. It just took one one man. Why do you think that shot right into you when a lot of people would have said, yeah, but you know what? Everybody gets divorced. The hell with it. I'll just start over. Why did that that shoot oh, into me? before God. <laughs> I mean... You can't break that one. That's kind of a whoopsie. That's it, Marcus. Because when he said that, I knew that that was the truth. Hmm. And and I knew that what everyone else was saying was a lie. But the lie would have been the easier route. So the lie looked very hmm. appealing. Mm-hmm. All the lies that everyone was telling me, they looked real appealing because that was the easiest route. But when he spoke the truth into my life, and I knew that that was the truth because that's God's word, just like what Marcus said. There was no way I could let that go. I get that. You know, we like to say on this show that uh, not everything that people say reaches everybody listening to it. In fact, it doesn't work that way for any of the shows or anything anybody says. But every show has things that people say that touches certain people who hear it right in that moment right when they're supposed to hear it and it shoots right through them. I do believe that. That's an example of what happened to you there. It's just, you had to hear that and you heard the truth in it, right? That's right. Wizard. No doubt about it, man. Um, so that's what propelled me through it, man. And, and, uh, and my wife, you know, by the grace of God, she got clean, man. And she's been clean now for, for uh, about six years. And she's literally the best woman Hmm on earth in my opinion i mean like i told you earlier she's i love her more than anyone else in the world and that's the that's the crazy thing about addicts man is usually when uh you know when they're in active addiction you just look out you look down on them but then Mm -hmm. when they get clean they're some of the smartest most intelligent best people on earth (laughs) and uh i got to see that not only through her but through other people that we've came in contact with you know being a part of 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 that circumstance. That's a beautiful thing that you found that. That's amazing. So I think what um, everybody's wondering is, so what was the next furnace you decided to dump <laughs> yourself into? <laughs> <laughs> These have been, those, are, those are two great examples right there. I mean, they really are. But I know that there's more coming up here. I mean, let's hear about it. Well, probably... Um, yeah, the the most recent thing, Wizard, uh, you know, um, going from going from that time moving forward through my life is um is is just here recently. I was I was medically retired from the the teams, mm-hmm. um, and uh, man, you want to talk about a freaking tough transition, man? I know I know it's different for every dude, but a lot of people have a lot of time with that, right, Marcus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so crazy, man. It's like you, you, you. I I've always appreciated being a part of the teams and 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 sharing that brotherhood. But man, when it goes away, 
it's like it slaps you in the fr- in the face and you realize what you had and uh and it's not yeah. part of your life every day anymore and yeah i i got in this um i got in this rut man and uh didn't know how didn't really know what to do or or where to turn what i was going to do with the rest of my life um and i've got a a, a brother from the team so I, he was my chief at my last command mm-hmm. well brandon keeps freaking calling me keeps calling me and i'm just isolating myself dude i don't want to talk to anybody i'm just in a bad way and uh, i had just got back from the revenant had just got back from new zealand failed there so that was like a double failure you know like like i'd failed there come home I, the teams are gone brandon keeps calling me calling yeah, me just piling on and uh finally i freaking answer the phone man and when i did i was like it was like I connected back into that brotherhood, man. And, uh, hmm. and I had this idea, um, for, for the last man standing race. Um, and we can talk about that later if you want. Oh, I yeah. had that idea, had that idea oh, yeah. for a long time, but I didn't have the courage to pursue that idea on my own. But when I answered the phone, I worked up enough courage to ask Brandon. I said, man, I got this idea. Will you help me? Will you go with me? And he said, yeah, brother, you go do whatever's on your heart and I'll be right here with you. And I was able to, to lean on my brother. And he took a lot of that, a lot of that, uh, a lot of that bad stuff off of me. (laughs) And it's just amazing how powerful that moment was when he said, yeah, brother, you go, you do it. I'll be right here beside you. And Mm -hmm. that's given me the courage now to propel myself into awesome things here in the near future. It's amazing how that support, go ahead. Keep going. I'm just, (laughs) no, it's amazing. This is the second time the right words and encouragement has made a major difference in the path you're walking. We hear that in our guests all the time, right? It's um, the courage to reach out and get some support because it doesn't mean weakness. It's, it's it's strength to reach out in the right way. And it's not about reaching out and complaining about things and whining and looking for excuses to quit. It's about reaching out to try to get some help and just how powerful that is and how we have a, an aversion to it almost because we look at it as a weakness. Yeah. That's how it becomes a strength. Show me what yep. you're afraid of and I'll show you what you're made of. Period. Um, you brought up the Revenant, and when I saw the name of that race, I didn't know what it was, so I had to look it up. And that was very interesting. And this, I think, um, knowing the follow-on here, and then it goes into another the other race you were just referencing coming up in the near future. It's it makes a an interesting another really furnace type of an, an event. Do you want to start with, you know, what is the Revenant? Getting involved in that experience and then carrying forward it into um bob bob's big backyard oh you gotta help me with this one yeah that's close enough bob's bob (laughs) bob's big timber backyard ultra big big timber bob's big timber backyard ultra yeah yeah so we i can start off just tell you a little bit about the the revenant um Mm -hmm. so what the revenant is is it's it's about 
two, it's about a 220 kilometer race, somewhere between 200 and 220 kilometers. It's got a little over 50, 55,000 feet of vertical ascent and descent. And the thing that's interesting about it is it's all off trail and you have to navigate the course with a map and compass only. So there's no electronic um, aids. Um, Ooh, that's the and you basically I didn't have know it was all navigate. off course. What's that? I didn't know it was all off course. That makes the difficulty factor just multiply. Yeah, really? yeah, for sure. It takes a it it takes a lot of things. Um, it, it, a oh, lot man. of things are can happen that are totally out of your control. Um, when you add that aspect into a race, you basically navigate through a series of checkpoints along this fifty kilometer loop, mm-hmm. and you do four loops. Um, and that's out in New Zealand on the South Island. Beautiful country, man, but very harsh country. Really, mm-hmm. really tough environment to move mm-hmm. through. And what appealed to me about this race was there was a high, high chance of failure. Well, well tell them how um, many people have actually successfully completed the race. Yeah, no one's no one's <laughs> ever finished the race. And, uh, <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's precisely zero. That's it, man. That's all you had to say, man. So the thought crossed my mind. I'll be your medic, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So, yeah, man, uh, and that that really appealed to me, man, because um, you know, you know, we do we do all this awesome stuff um, Mm -hmm. in our in our career, and 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 most of us you know, are able to make it out the other end. And, um, you know, something that, something that I could potentially fail, that's what appealed to me most about the race. It wasn't the location. It wasn't the, any, any specific aspect. It was just the, the fact that, that, uh, you know, I, I, I might not finish. And mm-hmm. of course I still thought in my own head that I was going to finish. So, yeah, I went out there, and uh, the first night, we started about 11 o'clock at night, and an inversion layer had moved in, and the fog was so thick, you literally couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Your headlamp just reflects off the fog, you know, uh-huh. and um, you could basically see your feet, um, and the way the ground was sloped that you were standing on, <laughs> and the only na- the only way you could navigate was just, uh, you know, dead reckoning following a bearing. So, yeah, we went out there. We were on course for wow. about 31 hours. I have no clue how much distance we covered, but ended up not completing that race. And uh, that was a gut check, dude. I guess. I imagine you didn't give up very easily. What I said, 31 hours. You don't know how far you went. What were the other competitors doing? Was there anybody left when you were when you finished? What was what prompted you to, you know, call it then? We time we timed out, man. So you had you had cutoff uh, times. Uh, you had to you had to complete at least one loop within thirty hours. So no one even completed two loops this year. So um, we made it around one loop, but it took us thirty one hours. So we were not able to set out for a second loop. Um, so that's that's what stopped us. Um, and yeah, uh, n- like I said, no one made it around even a second loop. And, and the way this race works is it is, it is, you can finish it, but everything's going to have to work perfectly in your favor. And it's, 
it, it may take three or four years before that happens. But the, the important the important lesson that, that I learned out at Revenant was um, was failure. And um, it was mm. in a simple and the simplest way I can put it is I learned that if I was I, I guess I, I got to renew my my memory uh, and if I was afraid of failure from this point forward, mm-hmm. I would never be able to, I guess, finish this race in, in upcoming years or, or even accomplish other, other things, uh, especially pertaining to racing in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so that failure ended up being a good thing because it really got to, it, it it really just retaught me that lesson that hey you know failure is a potential in some cases, mm-hmm. but that's okay. You can't fear it because if if I fear it, I'll remain stagnant. And taking that into hmm. this last man standing race, yeah, let's hear about is, the, uh, the way that, it. Yeah, the the way the race works is um, every hour on the hour we will run 4.16 miles. So that equates to 100 miles every 24 hours. And it continues until there's only one person left that's (laughs) able to run. Um, What does that come out? What what, what pace does that come out to? What pace per mile does that come out to? A lot. I I, want to say it's like a 14-minute mile, Wizard. Okay. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just, I was I was curious how that translates over 24 hours and how sustainable. I'm trying to put this in my head. But but the thing is, is you've got to finish that loop in you know 50 somewhere between 50 and 55 minutes because you got to get some food in your body and you got to rehydrate before you go out on the next loop. You know, you're talking about I would say you're going to need to average a 13, you know, 12, 13 minute pace, which seems very manageable. Mm-hmm. Until you've been running for freaking 150 miles, um, it gets gets kind of complicating after that. But yeah, what we're gonna do out here, man, is uh, Brandon, my teammate mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier. You know, I had this idea for this format. I'm gonna run the first 24 hours or the first 100 miles for myself, and then every hour after that. We're going to dedicate that hour to a fallen brother. Hmm. We had a little event out here of our own. Hmm. It was really a training event to, I guess, prepare us for this race. And uh, and we invited some people out. We had 12 or 15 runners. And and we dedicated each hour to a fallen brother. And, and it didn't necessarily have to be a SEAL. Just, uh, you know, um, we, we allowed other people that came out to submit slides of, of brothers that they had had in their time in service Hmm. yeah it was it was so powerful man and like after that event i like Hmm. i wanted to post something online you know on social media about it just to to kind of tell what we what we were uh, blessed enough to be able to do that day but it was so hard for me to even post anything about it because i knew there was nothing that I could say to do it any justice. 
um, there was just so there, it, it was just so powerful to mm. for everyone there to hear those guys' names and to hear their stories and to go out and spend an hour just reflecting upon that mm. man, that fallen brother, and his story and his family and and sharing stories if it was a guy that you knew and you were running that lap for that guy that you knew one of your brothers um sharing those stories with the other people out on the course along that lap man it was just unbelievable what a great um, experience yep. it's like a meditation on their memory right i love every, that every, every time you do it i love that <laughs> keeps them alive that way yep. if you tell that story and somebody else tells it then their memory never dies, right? Their spirit's with you forever. So that's the cool part. That's why I always got up. I mean, I spent the first part of that just making sure everybody remembered who was downrange. Yep. So was, uh, you know, I, I boil it down to two things, Wizard. There's mm-hmm. two options. There's only two outcomes. I'm either going to break my body or I'm going to achieve victory. And when you simplify it that way, it's easy, man. I dig it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's why we don't ever train for defeat. We only go one way. I mean, everything else in front of you is, is an obstacle. It's a test to make sure you're paying attention. And, you know, the risk and reward, it's all in, in chaos and pain. It's all a matter of perspective who's going through it. But it's what you see in front of you. And then your ability to just, man, it doesn't matter what they throw at me, man. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Amen to that. And you're probably going to get both of those anyways. You're going to break yourself. Well, <laughs> whether you win or not, you'll probably be broken either way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely be broken. I mean, you can't yeah. run. I mean, how do you train to run forever? I mean, there's no, you, there's no really way to train for that. It's, it's just, it truly is a mindset, and and boiling it down in your own mind to saying, I'm going to go until my body, it, you know, I have a catastrophic failure. Or, or we achieve victory. But yeah, your body will be broken regardless in some way, shape, or form. Well, this is super cool, that com- the, the combination of... I think what you're doing is you're giving reason to people's running as opposed to, well, this is entertaining. And yes, there are some people out there who are entertained by challenge and suffering, which there will be plenty of that. But it's, I think that additional elements that you're giving meaning to it. You're giving meaning to it, and that means a lot. So... Yep. Well, when we uh, when we go to wrap things up around here, you about ready for that, Marcus? You got I'm, man, I can listen to him talk all day. I mean, I <laughs> what we usually like to do is uh, reminds me of my Ken. I don't get to see very much <laughs> with that accent of his man. I got you don't have any idea how many redneck family I got in my and tucked back way only you see. Every time he talks, I just think I'm at, it's like a holiday. I'm at Thanksgiving or something. And just. <laughs> so time we get to see him. Well, what we like to do uh, before we sign off with the guests is ask him for a couple points of advice, a couple things to leave leave us with here at the end. It can be related to what we've what we've talked about thus far, or not at all, but just things that have served you well, whether they're wisdoms, um, little little sayings, things that have particular significance to you that you uh, would like to leave with the listeners. Yeah, man. And I just, I mean, just briefly go over what we, what we talked about is, uh, you know, one, don't, don't feel, don't, don't ever fear that failure, man, because it, it'll keep you stagnant in life. Um, mm. 
too is 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 don't be afraid to to reach out and to to lean on on your brother you know and and on that man that that's whoever that is that's important to you in your life when you're going through this stuff um don't be afraid of that fire man and expect it when you're when you're when you're going into something uh whether it's business or whether it's a marriage or or a relationship or um, you know, even a, some a hobby, and, and you're you're moving forward with it. Don't be afraid of that fire, and know that it's it's probably going to come. And and when it does come, embrace it, and realize what you're what you're going to be like, and how it's going to purify you hmm. on the other end. Amen. All those points. That's all good stuff. Good job, brother. Thank you again for sharing your wisdom yeah. over here. You're, hey, you're the man. Keep us posted on that race too, man, so we can we can toss up your scores. But God, man, keep running, bro. Because the more you run, the more you know knowledge you can drop on all of us. The more prophetic you get. God bless you, man. You you you're a great man. Thank you for doing this. Well, thank you, Marcus, and I tell you, man, thank you so much for your support, man, and the donation that you made to our team. Uh, you know that's helped that that's helped us tremendously. Not only giving me time to really focus on training, but just from a logistical aspect of getting you know getting Brandon out there and uh, you know all that stuff gear. I mean, it's just I I, I, just, I was blown away when when you did that, man. You're totally welcome. blew me away. So you're welcome. We got an amazing crew around here. You're not even gonna believe it runs around this house back here. It's something. I I can't stress enough how how out of all of us, I'm the luckiest. I'm dude. We were lucky marrying these women. I can't believe it. So time I walk around this house, like this is ridiculous. I can't even believe this. It's hilarious. Amen <laughs> <laughs> to that, brother. Yep. All right. Well, we're out of here, man. Enjoy your day. All right, buddy. Thanks for your time. Hope right. to uh, run into you down the road here again sometime. Sounds good, gentlemen. Thank y'all very much. I'll talk to y'all soon. Take care. All right, let's get back to Chad. Good job, brother. I always yeah, enjoy man. having our guys like that on here, man. And I, I every time I do open his mouth, I remember it made me think about some of my kin I don't get to see very much. So <laughs> that was awesome. Good job, brother, on all of it, team, from the start to the finish. You, that was truly something else, man. I, I know people take a lot, lot from that. Another one of our ultra team guy, ultra runner guys. I tell you, man, them guys that will burn that flame that burns the side of them is jet blue. Just another teammate that's a, that's out there doing some incredible things. I mean, God, we got them all over the place doing yep. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they never slow down. It's awesome, right? Yeah, truly a blessing to have around, man. I can listen to that dude talk for days. Thank you again for coming out here and doing mm-hmm. that, brother. Yeah, can't be said enough. In um, one in his points of advice, the one that really stuck with me was expect and embrace that fire. Yeah, yeah it's coming, yeah. right? You gotta use. I mean, embrace it. Embrace the suck. You know, there's all the sayings that we had coming up, and and those were there for a reason to uh, to make sure that we got in when we got into those situations that we knew those phrases to keep us on on point. Right? <laughs> it's it's funny. You hear all that stuff when everyone's saying it around you, and you're not picking it up, and then all of a sudden it makes starts making sense when you're going when you're going through your trials because mm-hmm. you never know when those things are going to drop on you, right? And uh, that's why it's so important to have teammates and everybody, people who love you and are willing to do anything for you around you, and they'll guide you through everything. He uh, he's a prime example of how far you can come with little or nothing. For sure. So one last time, 
one last time. Let's mention, I'm going to get it right this time, Bob's Big Timber Backyard Ultra. It's coming up on May 4th. (laughs) And even though, uh, you know, congratulations, the race registration is is closed because it's full. Now it's a success in its first year. Probably means it's definitely going to be there next year. So start training now. You'll be able to enter. If you want to follow along, go to, it's going to be Chad's Instagram account. Now it's C-H-A-D-W-R-I-G-H-T. Two seven eight. So Chad Wright two seven eight. They'll be putting. I mean, every every hour that they're running out there, who is dedicated to the progress race, go out there, check it out, follow along. I know I'm going to be doing it. They're actually running it up there in Ohio, which uh, out west of where I grew up, not too far. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. So let's do a little housekeeping, then we'll do a listener story. So. How do you listen to the show? You can stream it directly from our website at tnqpodcast.com. And uh, if you don't go there, you can find it on virtually any other podcast app, whether it's iPhone or Android, something like iTunes, Stitcher, Podacy, CastBox, Radio Republic. Find us on social media at Team Never Quit. Find and allow all major social media outlets. On Instagram, it's TNQ Podcast. You can find me at Marcus Luttrell. You can find the wizard, the underscore wizard, underscore TNQ. All right, and we at TNQP, along with the Wise Company, want to take a moment to talk to you about being reasonably self-sufficient. There is what seems to be a continuous stream of natural disasters in the news, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, wildfires, power outages, freak snowstorms. Well, ask yourself a simple question and be completely honest. If you were without these basic services for a period of time, three days, a week, two weeks, maybe more, without access to drinking water, food, heat, emergency services, would you be reasonably capable of attending to these crucial needs? Could you take care of yourself and your family without electrical power, the local supermarket, water utility, police and fire personnel for security? Well, if not, taking a big step in the right direction is easy. With Wise Emergency Foods, simple and affordable, freeze-dried food for emergency preparedness and outdoor use. Give yourself the peace of mind, knowing you're prepared with plenty of emergency food for a shelf life of up to 25 years. When you find yourself stuck in an emergency situation, Wise Emergency Food can save the day. All you need is four cups of water. It doesn't even have to be hot. You can take the contents of the pouch. You just pour them right in the water. You stir, cover. That's it. In 15 minutes, it's ready to go for your family no matter the situation. You know it's responsible to be prepared for your family's sake. But who has the time to do the research and planning to truly prepare? Now, you don't have to because Wise Company has made being prepared a simple click away. Wise makes it simple to get prepared for whatever comes next. Now, this week, our listeners can get a one-month grab-and-go emergency food kit at 50% off at wisefoodstorage.com slash TNQP or by calling 855-475-3082. And the shipping is free. This kit includes two easy-to-carry buckets full of emergency food and one survival backpack loaded up with food and gear. Now, WISE has a 90-day, no-questions-asked return policy, so there's no risk in taking the initiative to get yourself and your family more prepared today. That's wisefoodstorage.com slash TNQP and save 50% off one-month grab-and-go emergency food kit. All right, and uh, a little bit more about TNQpodcast.com where we've got everything we've ever done other than the things we're not proud of. (laughs) You can listen to everybody. (laughs) Everybody from David Goggins to Mike Rowe to Captain Charlie Plum, Mark Wahlberg, Sir Robert Young Pelton, uh, Laird Hamilton, tons of... Everybody from board shorts to boardroom suits, man. We've got to be astronauts to athletes. We got (laughs) them. We got them, man. (laughs) 
you're looking for somebody who's been through something difficult that uh, that'll that you can identify with. We promise you they're there. Yeah. And if not, if you don't find somebody there, I I guarantee one of the listeners who, who keep coming back to the show that we're so fortunate to have, who have uh, written and shared one of their own stories and contributed to the community, um, you'll find something there. You can find that going again tnqpodcast.com. Go under a menu tab called Share Your Story. You'll be able to submit your own or read literally hundreds of others. And um, we got one right now, right, Marcus? Yep, we do. This one's from David. My big sister, Juanita, died last month. Sorry for your loss, brother. Yeah. She suffered from depression mm-hmm. and committed suicide. I have dedicated my running to raise awareness for suicide prevention. I've been listening to the TNQ podcast, show number eight and number 35, the David Goggins podcast has given me the tools and guidance to enter the ultra marathon runner's world. He can do that. <laughs> he has, yeah, he right. has an uncanny ability to He's do gonna that. He's going to have more now with Chad. Right. I just turned 51 this month. Three years ago, I was fat, lazy, and void of energy. I told myself I had to do something about it. I weighed almost 240 pounds. I joined a gym and started working out for many hours a day. Every day, competing in a weight loss challenge at work. I won the challenge, and now I am at 172 pounds. Well, nice work, man. That, mm-hmm. No, you were listening to Goggins. That's a good, that's a huge drop. Yeah, it is. I listen to David Goggins' videos and podcasts while I run daily. It helps me stay focused on never quitting. I went on a crazy run after hearing podcast number eight. I took his advice to cut out all the ways to quit. I drove my dad's car to the Austin South Terminal Airport around 10.30 p.m., and I started running towards San Marcos, about 36 miles away. I had to run in the darkness, alone and in an area I wasn't familiar with. I listened to the podcast, number 8 and number 35, for the next 36 miles. This is the farthest I had run up to this point and previously completing a Corpus Christi marathon earlier in the year. Yesterday, I decided to run an unassisted marathon in McAllen, Texas, in 102-degree heat. I completed my run in 6 hours and 55 minutes. The feeling of completion was amazing. I am training to run in the Habanero 100. My sister would have been 52 on August 11th. My goal next year is to run the Badwater, 135 miles. I have no excuse to not do it. I am in excellent health. I don't drink alcohol, no drugs, no medications, and no physical limitations. I will run at least 100 miles a week to train. I have been doing sauna training to get acclimated to the heat. I want to previously thank Marcus, the Wizard, and David for your service. This podcast is awesome. Well, brother, good luck, man, on your race. We know you do well. Uh, that's a great undertaking. And, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it takes those trials in our life to, to put us on the path that we're supposed to go. Sometimes you're going to have to walk and be the man mm. that you're not to become the man that you are, and, and that's okay. That's what life's all about. So great job on being a living example of, of that. And uh, you and, hey, brother, Chad, thanks again for doing this, man, and for all the all the hard work and dedication you put in throughout the years, man. People will be learning a lot from you and uh, looking to you for, for a while. So thank you again for doing this. And thanks to everybody who keeps bringing us back. Mm-hmm. I mean, we couldn't do this Absolutely. without you guys, man. I'd like to thank God, Lord Jesus, for everything, our families, friends, and, uh, again, most importantly to our listeners. We're out. Out. Dear TNQ podcast listeners and teammates, it is with great regret that my time at the Team Never Quit podcast has come to an end. My experience in serving our loyal listeners has been a true blessing 
And the personal reward I feel from knowing how many wonderful people we have helped is beyond words. All I can say to you is thank you from the bottom of my heart. For three and a half years, Marcus, the wizard, and I have poured thousands of hours into creating some of the most positive, educational, and inspiring content available in media today. From day one, I've prayed that if we could help just one person through a difficult time, then we would be accomplishing our mission. To date, I believe we have enabled hundreds of thousands to face adversity and overcome obstacles by utilizing the wide variety of never-quit mindsets described in personal and sometimes intimate accounts from our phenomenal guests. I am grateful to all our guests for having the courage and compassion to share their amazing stories. I have certainly learned much about the human condition because of their brave exploits. Over the last few years, I've come to realize the two most precious resources we have in our lives are family and time. For the past 23 years, I have been sacrificing these ideals in pursuit of serving the greater good in order to explore, research, and experience the human condition. Due to my current situation, I've decided to make my time with my family my main priority. In order to better prepare my four daughters for their greatest never-quit moments, I need to be as present as possible. I would like to thank the Westwood One Podcast Network for believing in the inspiring content of our podcast. Their professional support has been truly appreciated. Thank you to Andrew and Kara at Beefy Marketing for your effort in supporting our mission. Thank you to everyone who has been a part of Team Never Quit over my entire time there, especially Josie. To Melanie, thank you for inviting me to be a part of Team Never Quit and for the use of your home to serve so many. Wizard, thank you for the countless hours spent producing and contributing to the show on so many levels. The journey with you has been one of real personal growth and professional development. Marcus, my brother, thank you for everything. What you represent to the world is profound. What I have learned from you is that survival is much more than an isolated experience. Survival is something we must engage in each and every day of our lives. And the gift of survival should be shared with as many souls willing to listen as possible. You have opened your home, your family, your friends, your business, and most importantly, yourself to me. For that, I am eternally grateful. I believe that the truest form of ourselves lives deep down the rabbit holes. And if you're not willing to explore those dark and sometimes brilliant places, then we will never really understand who we are and why we are here. I will always love and cherish our time together searching. God bless you, those you love, and all those who love you. To all, your grateful servant, David Rutt Rutherford.
Game Never Quit Radio.